means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are covering chapter 31, O-W-L's, otherwise known as Owls. (laughs) Ordinary wizarding levels are what we're covering. We have Elizabeth, the teacher, with us. (laughs) I'm always on the teacher episodes. It's almost as if we schedule it like that. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, this chapter will focus quite heavily on the actual exams themselves which is perfect because we literally just took finals this week so it's 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 that time of year is this a traumatic subject for you to be doing right now <laughs> i just graded so many papers you guys so much so much grading <laughs> so elizabeth is on top of her game right now oh for this chapter. my gosh thank god for winter break <laughs> uh we do get some non-owl related topics to start off the chapter we get ron basking in the glow of his successes on the quidditch pitch I'm messing up his hair as he does so and uh the <laughs> ron and harry and hermione knocking him down a peg when they tell <laughs> him about all of hagrid's news mm-hmm. i do want to just bring up one little topic about this enthusiastic ron successful moment Mm. you know how we have mentioned before many times in the podcast how ron does not get a fair shake in the movies Mm -hmm. and he's always not really featured or his lines are given to hermione or whatever doesn't come across as intelligent or sure emotionally like there. right well i hate to tell you this everyone but he kind of gets shoved to the side in the books, too, because he has his big moment. We don't see it. They're gone in the forest during his big Quidditch moment. Okay, yes, but actually, I will disagree with you with this very instant. I feel like this is one of the cases where Ron's emotional intelligence is coming across. Because this very easily could have been another one of those big, massive fights between friends that blows up for several chapters. And it just would have been Ron being mad at Hermione and Harry and Harry being on the receiving end for the first time. And then it being like, oh, this sucks and he's mad at us. But I do think that one, he was able to recognize that, yeah, Hagrid's news was crazy. So I'm going to put aside my emotions about that. Well, just the craziness of it shocked him into life. Right. Like, I'm not angry anymore. I'm just like, what? That right. happened? But also, too, I feel like if she had chosen to do another fight, it would have been even longer for this book. You, but you don't think at all that he gets a moment of true glory where he is like the hero, <laughs> the guy. Yeah. And she skipped over it completely. Well, to be fair, it's it's not Ron Weasley and the Order of the Phoenix. So it's I, so Harry Potter what, and the Order of the Phoenix. You know what? You're right. So we should stop <laughs> talking about Ron's missed moments and keep f- inflating Harry. No, what I'm saying is that we see from Harry's perspective and Harry just wasn't at the scene. 
This isn't oh, that's like, convenient. This isn't Ron's like big what, moment. This isn't like the memories where you, there's a like a, a mile and a half range where you can see and hear every little detail that supposedly happened around you. All I'm saying is Ron had a true hero glory moment. And all of Hogwarts except two people, three people. We, we as readers don't <laughs> see it. We skip right over it. Well, he did give some details about like how he had had figured out that the one guy was was fainting like to the one side and he was like, ah, I'll go the other way. And that was the save. He had the confidence. And they talked about how like Ginny caught the snitch right under Cho's nose and Cho threw her broom in anger. That's all wonderful. I'm wondering how much of that he's fluffing. He looks over to see if girls are paying attention to his spiel. Yeah, but he knows that, like, Hermione and And details get fluffed in the aftermath of Yeah, but he he assumes that they saw it. So he knows if he fluffs it too much, then they'd call him out on it. It's just unfortunate because they didn't see it. So he could literally tell them whatever the heck they want. It would be just fine. So we get to the OWLs. Uh, obviously, students are stressed leading into this. You have, uh, you already had the Hannah Abbott incident. Yeah, she needed that calming, mm-hmm. like, potion. You have Ernie McMillan talking about how many hours he has studied and then asking everyone else how many hours they have studied. <laughs> he, he's using it more to brag to everybody else. I think he thinks if the more he studies, the better grade he'll get. He but that's says, not always the case. This child says he has studied eight to nine hours a day. There are 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Presumably you were at class for maybe eight of those hours. I bet he's doing the whole like counting every single minute. If he's like studying as he walks from one class to another class. And and also what counts as studying? I mean, like we said this is getting a little bit ahead, but we know part of their tests are practicals. Technically studying could be like you know, flicking a spell at a fly as you walk to class. We do know that Hufflepuffs are particularly hard workers. So he might not be fibbing all that much here. He does exaggerate. We are talking about Ernie McMillan here. He does exaggerate <laughs> quite a bit, but still. Uh, it's definitely a tactic to make himself feel better about how he will do on the, fu- on, the fu- on the test. So we also get news that Draco has been uh, saying that his father, his father, has potentially been bribing the head of the Wizarding Examinations Authority. Yeah, influence will buy your grades. That head of the Wizarding Examinations Authority is Griselda Marchbanks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so uh, students are obviously a little stressed. We get them in their uh, hours of need creating some products to <laughs> help them through such a tough time. I love this performance enhancer black market thing that they got going on. And especially the fact that Hermione is the one being like, no, this is not how it works. You just have to study. Your intelligence helps you get good grades. You can't be like t- taking these little, you know, pinches from dragon claws or sucking down whatever potions that people concoct wherever. Especially since she said she really looked at them and they were just dried doxy droppings, which you do not want to ingest. So this is potentially a scam on a scam. Uh-huh. You could just be using, oh, does 
does Dragon Claw even work for this? Ron seems to think so, but um, is that a thing? I don't know. But then it's not even Dragon Claw; it's mm-hmm. the dried doxy mm-hmm. do- uh, droppings. So it's like it's like a scam on a scam. <laughs> However, so. they do do some legit things because there are some people like brewing actual potions to like help focus for a little bit mm. or. Um, we know those potions exist. They've studied them in potions class. Yeah. So, I mean, there there is an uptick in those types of things going on that are mm-hmm. a little bit more legit, but usually those people are keeping it to themselves. Right. Not trying to sell it off. Right. I do like, though, that a lot of the six years are the ones being like, oh, yeah, I swear I used this last year, and that's what got me on my owls. Pay me however many sickles or whatever that you can give me, and I'll give you some, too. That's not how it works. So we get into the actual OWL procedures here. And how this works is there will be a test on the theory of the class in the morning Mm -hmm. and then a practical exam in the afternoon, minus astronomy, which will obviously be at night. There are strict anti-cheating spells placed on the exams, which means... I wish I had those. (laughs) I bet you do. This means no auto-answer quills, Remembrals, cribbing cuffs, and self-correcting ink. Now, to be fair, how much is a remembrall actually going to help you out? All it does is change colors. It doesn't tell you that there's, like, what the answer is. So what if it's, like, if you're writing an essay question and all of a sudden the smoke turns red in the remember all and you're like, nope, yeah, you, you forgot something. Yeah, Go back and do it. you don't necessarily know what you forgot. And if your brain's like, I can't think of it, well, then it's it's going to drive you nuts. Yeah, but if, but if you're writing your essay question and you're just writing the answer and then you see the remember all activate, you're like, ooh, I missed something. Mm-hmm. Now I got to go back and think about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you wouldn't have thought about it before. You would have just answered it. Maybe, and left but it out. I, I feel like even if that were the case, it still wouldn't help you really come up with the answer. I feel like on most occasions, it would just be like, oh, I can't remember what it is. This is going to drive me nuts. Well, I, now that's all I'm going to think about with well, these Well, I think that's the point questions. of a remember all is to rem- remind you like, nope, there's something you're missing. <laughs> well, okay. Missing. Like, let's take you, right? You say your memory is not always the best. If you had a remember all and you like held it and then suddenly it's turning scarlet, you think you'd be able to remember what you've forgotten? It depends on the thing. So, and it depends on context. And like, if I had completely forgotten that there was anything I needed to do, mm-hmm. like, for example, if I had a meeting the next morning mm-hmm. and I had completely, like, it's not in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I had completely forgotten that that meeting exists. And all of a sudden, I'm like, turning over my bed to go to sleep and I see the remember all light up. I'm like, Oh, wait a second. What am I forgetting? And then I might look to see, like, look at my calendar, look at whatever, look somewhere and be like, I should set my alarm for a little bit earlier. I think it's just so vague that it it wouldn't necessarily really help all that much. I think context matters a lot. (laughs) So it depends on how you're using it. And like anything, if you know how to really use it and manipulate it, mm-hmm. like any other tool, it will work for you. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how and when you use it. It's interesting that they didn't list any anti-anxiety things as part of the forbidden substances. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, could you be under the influence of a potion while taking this exam? Mm-hmm. Like if you had a calming 
Drought. Calming trout. Like, would that be... A focusing potion. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Umbridge is particularly involved with Griselda Marchbanks trying to show her um, all over the school, mm-hmm. trying to show Hogwarts in a very positive light. Yeah, despite all the fireworks and swamps and dung bombs that have gone off lately. And the first thing Griselda Marchbanks gets to is like, well, do you know where Dumbledore is? <laughs> I like this woman. <laughs> And uh, she ends up telling a story where she actually was the examiner with Albus during his, his charms newt exam. Yeah. Well, charms and tra- she did both charms and transfiguration during his newt level exams. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned that Albus did things with a wand she's never even seen before. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. All right. Let's actually get into the... The owls? Yeah, let's get into the classes. We'll go class by class, give our two cents on the class, and then we'll kind of summarize it all at the end here. Well, first, I have two comments about even before that. We know it's two weeks worth of tests. That's a long time to do finals. And I love that McGonagall is like, look, these tests are important. And we know that Umbridge wants you guys to do well, so she will look good. And it's probably tempting to do bad to make her look bad. But this is your future, so don't do that. Still actually try. Because you know there are kids who are like, "Uh, maybe if I fail, then Umbridge will look like she's a horrible person and they get rid of her. But it's like, no, no, your future is important. You should really try on these tests. Well, the first test up is Charms. Mm-hmm. Charms is first up. And uh, again, they do the theory behind it in the morning, and then they'll do the practical in the afternoon. And that's kind of why it goes for two weeks is because you're doing one exam morning and then afternoon. Right. There's a lot to get through, especially when you have, and I counted, there are nine of these exams. So that's a lot of days. Mm-hmm. But um, we get a couple of examples. So, in the theory, they give us one question here. Uh, Number one, part A, give the incantation, and part B, describe the wand movement required to make objects fly. I know that one. Uh, Yeah. Wingardium Leviosa. Swish and flip. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I feel like she used this section... To kind of remind us of some previous tidbits mm-hmm. throughout the books, which I think is a really nice touch. Yeah, it's like a nice little um, like flashback episode, you know? Kind of. <laughs> uh, Play far- all the hits. As far as the practical goes, the practical is, uh, well, for Harry specifically, it was make an egg cup do cartwheels. That was one of them. A levitation and color change. Yeah. Were really the three ones that he was supposed to be doing. The third one, the color change, he got a little confused. But I just love that these examiners are able to keep a straight face when they ask these questions like, "Okay, yes, child, take this badger. Make him green." <laughs> or like, "Here's an egg cup. Okay, make it do cartwheels." Like what ridiculous tasks to make them do. But yes, those they, those are charms, I guess. But like, when well, are you going to use that in real life? Okay, that's that's a fair question here. So you're talking about charms, which might be one of the more practical forms of magic that, right. that you would use on a daily basis. It just seems like those charms specifically are weird ones to ask about. The levitation, levitation, the levitation sense. one, sure. But like 
color change is fine. Color change maybe, but the whole like make a egg cup do cartwheels. I think this is just my thoughts on it. I think it's that because it requires multiple forms of charms. Like it's a more complicated charm because you have to grow the legs on the egg cup. Mm. the arms and legs or whatever they're having to actually do the the cartwheeling motion and then you need to control the cartwheeling motion okay i have literally never thought about them putting arms and legs on the egg cup i just literally always pictured it'd be like the egg cup just like spitting <laughs> like a cartwheel like just like spins across the table but they literally just had like... i know and i've never put two and two together <laughs> They literally just had Harry, like, growing legs out of the cup (laughs) and it not reaching. Right. (laughs) They literally just did it. I know, they literally just did it. I've never put two and two together before. You don't give Flitwick. I was always like, why do they just want the egg cup to just roll across the table? Flitwick is a competent teacher. (laughs) He is, but... He's preparing them for these exams. (laughs) Even still, it's a... No, I, I think it's because it involves multiple... I mean, I can see that. I mean, even with the with the animals, like, and that has a little bit of the transfiguration aspect to it, right? Like they always talk about how animals are more complicated of the type of an animal it is, the harder of a spell it is. So for the color charm, for the color change charm, he was trying to turn a rat into a different color, and it actually he confused it with a growth spell that turned it a rat into the size of a badger, which is a pretty terrifying thought. Do you think the color changing spell was the one that Ron attempted his first year on Scabbers? Very much not. <laughs> Very much not the case. <laughs> so I guess that's one occasion where someone would want to make an animal a different color, but even still, he said he was able to rectify it. So weird. Which I think the ability to rectify a misfire on a spell. Yeah, that also shows competence. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's actually worked in that his favor. I might get a few points off, but like, yeah, I could see that as. as yeah, you didn't good. fail it. You just didn't get the the A or I guess O. Yeah. Maybe. You'd have to yeah delay it. So that's oh, yeah. good. Um. So we the we go on to the second exam, which is transfiguration, and the written um the one question that we get is he has to define a switching spell. Mm-hmm. The practical was a little bit more difficult because you mentioned that working with animals is a little bit more difficult because of the biology involved mm-hmm. and all of that and the complexity. Well, he had to vanish an iguana, mm-hmm. which is a fairly large creature uh, that he'd have to vanish completely, which he did. Uh, whereas Hannah Abbott, a bless her, and you know having to take the calming drought and all of that, she actually ended up multiplying a ferret into a flock of flamingos that is talent (laughs) not if you're not trying to do it you're trying to do it that is great some of these things i wonder how many of the examiners as they watch these practicals i wonder how many of them are like well how did they actually accomplish that like what what was the line of thinking or what was the spell that they used and Oh, that's interesting. I, that we should like write that one down. And... If your thing was, can you either a vanish the ferret? Well, this was a spectacular misfire. <laughs> or if it was like, you know, change the ferret into a 
you know, a cauldron or a goblet. And this is the result. Again, drastic misfire. But it, 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 this one ended up actually causing a delay because they had to stop the exam yeah, for like go, 10 minutes. Yeah, go get all the flamingos. <laughs> Can you imagine how embarrassed you'd be if they had to stop exams because of a <laughs> mistake one. that you made? Yeah. I also wonder then, like, what do they do with all these animals? You know, what, and we've talked before about, like, what happens to a vanished animal. But what happens to animals that have been turned into goblets or have been popped up out it's of nowhere? It's a goblet. <laughs> Yeah, but do you really want to drink out of a goblet that was once a rat? I don't. That's how plagues get started. <laughs> what animal would you feel comfortable drinking out of? None of them. <laughs> I guess that's the... What kind of question? That's the appropriate question <laughs> for the subject you brought up. So we got Herbology as the third one. They had to handle a plant. They had to handle a plant, and he ends up getting bitten by a fanged geranium. Mm -hmm. uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts is the fourth exam. Uh, obviously, he feels quite confident in that. I he, like he got extra credit. He easily flies through the, the questions and the practical by accomplishing all of the jinxes, counter jinxes, and such that is required of him. Mm -hmm. And then Professor Tofty is how I'm going to pronounce that name. Yeah. Tofty. Um, requests a Patronus charm. He has heard detail of Harry Potter's exemplary efforts in this particular charm. And he did an amazing one while imagining that Umbridge got fired. Yep, and the stag bursts out of his wand and canters around the room <laughs> and all of the examiners and the students being examined turn their heads and watch this stag bound across the room. Uh, I would do. It's cool. It's cool. And then the examiner's like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> and anytime you can get the professor or the examiner or whoever you're, or the boss or whatever to be like, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, you're pretty good. And he well, yeah, thinks. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen that there are certain students who have been um, like tested before that stand out in the examiner's memories. This is one of those, I think, memories that are now going to stand out. I think he, he's feeling pretty good. I think he's feeling like, oh, maybe I got an exceeds expectations in charms. Maybe I did the same in transfiguration. Yeah, outstanding. I think I got an outstanding here. <laughs> I, th I think I'm pretty safe. Uh, we do get a little break. We get a little time out uh, from Ron and Harry. We do find out Hermione took her ancient runes exam. Mm -hmm. uh, not happy about it. So much. Well, she made one mistake. One mistake that, obviously, as you're reading it, it sounds like a very silly mistake because she left out the I. <laughs> <laughs> like, she she misinterpreted something, and it was a very slight misinterpretation. But she is rampaging through the Gryffindor common room, and Ron is just like, she is such a lovely, sweet-tempered girl. <laughs> it's great commentary from Ron. Hmm. Uh, we jump back into uh, Ron and Harry's exams when they get potions, which we know Harry was super looking forward to. Well, I do like he, he comments that it's a lot easier to do when you're not in the dungeons and you have Snape, like, sneering at you the entire time. It's more of a relaxing environment. It's almost kind of fun. Yeah, he he was much more comfortable doing the practical without Snape there. He did mention, though, that the, the written portion was still quite difficult. Well, I said he, he definitely got correct answers with the polyjuice potion question. Right. Very easy to tell what the symptoms feel like when you have actually taken said potion 
So when you're talking about some of his earlier exams, he was like, I don't know that I got like outstanding or exceeds expectations, but I'm pretty sure I at least passed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Maybe like an A for acceptable. I think acceptable that's the last would passing work. Grade. Acceptable would work. So we get Care of Magical Creatures next at number six on the exam schedule. Uh, and the test was essentially to identify the gnarl among hedgehogs, handling a bow truckle, mm -hmm. being able to feed and clean a fire crab, and essentially plan out a diet for a sick unicorn. That's an interesting exam. It's a well-rounded exam, I think. I like it a lot. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a nice variety of creatures. Um, possibly important ones, both to magic, but also ones that they might interact with in their real life. And I think it shows every aspect of how you would care for those creatures. Class number seven is astronomy. He has the written in the morning, mm. and then he has the practical at night. Mm -hmm. So he says the written went well enough. Uh, the practical, uh, at I think it was after midnight or around midnight, they it go up to take to it. It seems to just be like filling out star charts. Yeah, so just look in the, the telescope, fill out the star charts, plan out where the moon is, the planets, some other specific features. Uh, and that's essentially what the astronomy exam was. We'll get into some more astronomy practical in a second. But in between the written and the practical for astronomy, he has the divin divination exam which doesn't have a written it's just the practical seems to be and how this really works first i have a lot of issues with this yeah so he says it goes awfully and he's correct well it seems like test him on crystal ball reading tea leaf reading like your hand lines reading palmistry yep. yeah i don't understand how they grade this one so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with a divination exam like this, which again, for the record, Professor Trelawney noted that specific fact. Mm -hmm. She's like, I do not like this mm -hmm. that they're even having OWLs for divination. She hates it. Yeah, it's hard to, and it's valid. It's hard to get a grade on something that needs a specific gift. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's the future, and I think at best this sh a practical exam for divination should be outlawed. You should only have a written exam where you define certain. You should define what crystal ball gazing is, or what tea or like leaves. Here, here's a symbol. What is this symbol supposed to be representing? Have a diagram of a hand, yeah, with the palm lines, yeah. and try to like Read figure down. that out, yeah whatever or you know what would be interesting if they had a person like palm line a person who has already like had something happen to them and but it was taken before it happened and it was like okay here read their future see what you think is going to happen and then we know what's going to happen because it was taken a year in advance or something like that and then it's like, if it matches up, okay, cool. Then you get your points. If it's not quite that, then you weren't really seeing the future. Yeah, I have I have a lot of issues with this particular class. So 
it it goes poorly for Harry. Not surprising. Goes poor even more poorly for Ron. <laughs> and Ron has this great line at the end when they're talking about it. He's like, "I don't care if the tea leaves spell out die, Ron die. Right. I don't care. Right. <laughs> like I just don't care." Right. Really quick, we're going to get to uh, class number nine, which is history of magic. It's the final exam for them, which has no practical. It's just the like the written part. Right. I don't. What, are you going to do like a reenactment for practical? <laughs> how would that? Work? I don't know how that would work. So anyway, uh, it's 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 rough. Uh, Harry's going on um, limited sleep. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a struggle. And here are some of the questions we get. We get number four. In your opinion. Did wand legislation contribute to or lead to better control of goblin riots of the 18th century? Number five, how was the statute of secrecy breached in 1749, and what measures were introduced to prevent recurrence? Number 10, describe circumstances that lead to the formation of the International Confederation of Wizards and explain why the warlocks of Liechtenstein refused to join. Honestly, I feel like these essay questions are fantastic. These are really well written test questions that should get like essays out of them. It just seems like every single question is an essay question and that's a lot. What it was making me think about though, and we we know all the other teachers are like I mean they're they're anxious, like I want my students to perform well and whatever. This was making me wonder about bins. Because once again, the idea of a ghost teacher just completely fascinates me. If you've, if you've ever listened to me rant in our previous episodes about this, how well do you think they do on their history owl? And if it's not a good score, then would they ever consider hiring another teacher to teach the subject? Because I mean, like, on the one hand, like, Bins isn't, he's probably not getting paid. You know, he's dead. He has no need for money and the, he's free labor and he could literally teach 24-7 if he needed to. He doesn't need to sleep. So it doesn't make sense to get another teacher when he's so well, cheap. The, the problem... But it's like his lessons are so boring that if they hired somebody else, maybe they would be more interested in the subject and maybe their owls would be better. How are you going to fire him? He's doing his job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. But if you had him... And another teacher, like the way they have with divination now. Like if they had two teaching the subject, I wonder what the scores would be like. Or is it just Harry and Ron who are terrible at their owls in history? They've never given this subject any kind of respect. That's what I'm wondering, like how many students do. and, and what's, Hermione. Well, other than Hermione. Hermione gives every... Those are the only three students we ever see. <laughs> if the owls in history magic are not great... Well, then the thought process should be, how do we improve these test scores? But I think anybody observing that class would be like, this isn't his fault. This is you guys. Because it's very much, I mean, yes, he's doing his job. You're going to blame the, you're going to blame the teacher. Sometimes it's the kid's fault. Sometimes it's It's the kid's fault. Sometimes it is the kid's fault. But at the same time, if like, if I give an assessment that everybody's failing, that's on me. I need Who's to, to say out... everybody's failing? Well, that's what I'm asking. I want to know how many people fail these owls. Maybe not everybody's like daydreaming or just talking to their best friend Which is next why to them. I want to know what the owl scores are and if they and are. And again, that would be on them not paying attention to the teacher when the teacher's giving a lesson. There's a difference between 
they're not paying attention and it's on them versus like I'd never ever 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 deviate from my lesson like teaching strategy it's always lecture 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 so you're you're teaching Shakespeare Uh and the kid's not interested in Shakespeare Mm -hmm. and you're giving a great lecture you're telling everything that they have to know about whatever play you're discussing Julius Caesar and the kids are just not there either literally not there in class <laughs> or talking or playing a game uh-huh. or doing whatever uh-huh. that's your fault then no well <laughs> that's what i'm saying it, it'd be my fault if i don't one call them out on it and remind them like to pay attention or whatever but i think it's also on me to a degree to vary up my lesson style so that it does break the monotony of the lesson. Like if I just came in, yeah, and just read a scene of Julius Caesar every day and then that was it. And if I just literally just talked straight the entire hour and never stopped and asked them questions or made them, you know, think about this in comparison to the modern world or do like fun projects on like between scenes and, and like, the stuff that keeps the interest going and makes it come more alive. He hasn't made history come alive. All he's done is lectured about it, and they can't seem to focus on it. This has turned into a deeper debate between the two of us on the educational system as a whole. <laughs> we have a lot more to talk about here, so we're going to jump back into the actual chapter. All right. Um, I will say this, though. What are your, th- really quickly, what are your thoughts <laughs> on the entire uh, two weeks the OWL structure, how it all went, the classes, your two cents. Well, I think I love that there's a lot of effort made to prevent the cheating. Owls and newts themselves are probably way more intense than the SAT or the ACT are in the United States. I, I think the test structures are interesting. I, I think the practical and the written are, are both really cool. I think the practical is probably more stressful than the written test just because there's the like performance and anxiety, I guess. But it's interesting seeing the different structures of it. So um, if you're using the comparison to the American system where the ACT and SAT are standardized testing, there's two differences that I'd want to point out with those. One you just mentioned with the practical side of things. Obviously, we don't have a practical ACT or SAT section. Right. And I agree with you that the performance-based aspect to it with someone watching you and analyzing what you're doing Mm -hmm. is infinitely more uh, pressure. Yeah. It's, It's infinitely more pressure, and there's a lot more anxiety that can come along with that that would induce mistakes, potentially. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's definitely an added uh, level of testing that they throw into these OWLs and uh, and newts and EWTS. But also with the ACT and SAT is that's standardized testing, mm-hmm. which is they're fairly generalized, vague questions, and they're designed to be. Whereas these are like, no, these are from lessons that you should have specifically learned. Let's see what you've learned. Well, that's definitely one of the criticisms of those tests is that sometimes they're written in uh, about scenarios that 
you know, depending on where you live in the country, depending on your financial background, depending on your, um, your race or gender that you don't necessarily understand those scenarios. So there is a bias behind them and it's, it's not really as standardized as they, they think it is. Um, which is why testing is, is a fun subject to talk to teachers about. But yeah, I, I think these do a better job of like, these are things that you will use in your life and let's test you on it. Yeah, I think these are definitely a little bit more practically based. And I don't just mean practical in the sense of you're having to actually do it. Yeah. I think it's practical in that these are things that you've learned in class and now you're being tested on it. Um, so there are a couple of things. Uh, we do have two major incidents that happen while the exams are occurring. Yeah. Uh, first happens during the astronomy uh, exam. And remember, that was seventh of nine. Uh, well, I guess really it was toward the end because it actually happened after the divination exam. Mm -hmm. uh, during the astronomy practical, uh, they notice, uh, Harry notices, and soon the entire class notices, <laughs> that five or six people have left the castle and have marched across the grounds to Hagrid's cabin. One of whom is Umbridge. And one of whom is Dawlish. Mm -hmm. We get those two names. We don't really get other names. Mm -hmm. But uh, they knock on Hagrid's door. They enter Hagrid's hut. Time passes. Harry continues to star chart, or tries to. And then all of a sudden, boom. Just a big loud sound. Hagrid comes out into the grounds. Red beams of light are flying at him and subsequently bouncing off of him, which is interesting. Which we know those red lights are stunning, stunning spells. spells. Yeah. Stunning spells. Fang gets hit by one. Fang gets hit by one trying to defend Hagrid like the loyal pup that he is. Which makes Hagrid rage to the point where he throws a man. He knocks out a couple. And we can presume that these are all oars. If, right, right. If Dawlish is there, you presume Umbridge brought Ministry Might and... Uh, oars to this right. to this fight which for a second obviously wise call on her part to, to have right multiple oars to help try to wrangle in hagrid however uh it a isn't working and then when he becomes enraged really isn't working right the trio mentioned like like we've never seen him this angry before this is like the giant blood coming out in him of you see a, showing that strength. You see a little bit again why the centaurs give him a little bit of a uh, distance. Yeah. And then give Grop even more of a distance. Because yeah. if this is what Hagrid is doing with multiple orders. As a half giant, yeah. Could you imagine? So, obviously, uh, I think he eliminates every order except for one who ends up falling over another downed order. From kind of retreating away from Hagrid a little bit. But then McGonagall comes out and being like, you know, what are you doing? What means, what reasons do you have for attacking this man? And she gets hit by not one, not two, not three, but four stunning spells all at once to the point where it lifts her off the ground. And then she's right to the chest. Yeah, knocked out. That's not good. So even the. Um, the examiner was being like, "You cowards! What are you doing?" It's like, if 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 this if this had happened, this this would be a good exam to sue on. Of this was not a, a fair test. I would like a redo. <laughs> I think that would be yeah, that would be fair. Yeah, that'd be fair. Because uh, at this point, every student has obviously stopped the exam yeah. <laughs> and are watching the the events down below, mm -hmm. and we we do get the information that McGonagall has been 
taken to get mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. Hagrid picked up Fang and ran off, mm-hmm. and he's in the wind at this point. Uh, we we do know that Lee feels guilty, Lee Jordan, uh, because he was the one putting Nifflers in Umbridge's office. Yeah, he said he would levitate it through the window and just let it have fun. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, obviously this is a little different. Umbridge treated Trelawney one way, poorly, awfully, yeah. one way. She went after Hagrid. Well, I mean, they were talking about she made a scene with Trelawney, but with Hagrid, she clearly thought if she could get him in the middle of the night when no one else is watching, then she'd be more successful with it. And She brought four or five oars? That means she was angling for a fight. Mm-hmm. She was prepped for a fight. Well, he's a half-giant. She doesn't like half-breeds. No. So I, it's very interesting circumstances around there. And uh, props to McGonagall for trying to intervene again. Because she intervened with the Trelawney incident. She's trying to intervene again with the Hagrid incident. Mm-hmm. Um, this one did not end particularly great for Minerva McGonagall. But, um, another exam did not go well. Another exam did not go well. We had, during History of Magic, Harry's already struggling with trying to stay awake. And he eventually succumbs uh, as he's trying to figure out one of the answers. And he passes out during the History of Magic exam. (laughs) He goes down that corridor again. He gets into the Department of Mysteries. He goes down the aisle with all of the orbs. What aisle is it? 97. 97. And he sees a body on the floor and Voldy standing over him, uh, torturing him. Mm -hmm. And that body is revealed to be serious black dun, dun, dun. and at that point harry falls out of his seat screaming with his scar burning and everybody turning around and looking at him again imagine taking your test and then that happens horrifying <laughs> as a kid watching it horrifying as that kid horrifying yeah yeah and that's how our chapter ends yeah Sirius Black is in trouble, and Harry is being stared at by everyone. Which means lots to talk about in the spoiler section. Yes. So (laughs) we will pause right here, and we will be right back with the spoiler version of this conversation. (laughs) Weezy is All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 31, OWLs. I think we wanted to dive a little bit more into... Some really, very last detail. The the ending of that chapter, <laughs> which is you know kind of important. Obviously, this is another trope with. Well, at least Voldy waited until the last <laughs> exam, and he was able to accomplish most of his OWLs before this. I wonder if he was able to do it now with the last exam as opposed to the first ones, because his brain is so worn out from all the studying. But it's also, I've taken all my other tests. That information's out the window now. So I have nothing else left to focus on. So now my brain can focus on the dream. Do you think Voldy gets an alert whenever Harry falls asleep? <laughs> like, is it just like a notification that goes off in Voldy's head? Of like, like, ding! Like, like life alert, <laughs> only it's a Harry Potter alert. Like, seriously though, because obviously you could assume Harry will be asleep. At certain hours. During, during certain hours. Yeah. But here, it's like, uh, did he just like, pre-send this video to go or or... if like when harry falls asleep send now (laughs) i mean like obviously he's in the nice warm um the great hall and it's all the lack of sleep from all week and whatever 
But I also wonder if Voldemort was like really, really pushing hard for this. Like, can he induce it, sleep? Yeah, if he like pushes hard enough. I mean, maybe he was like, "Oh, the school year's ending soon. We got to get this going before he's home and protected by the blood spell." Like, maybe this was a. I'm going to really push for it today, right now. And then, yeah, he, he succumbs to it. I mean, he has ministry insider knowledge to know when the exams are happening. He would know Harry's in his fifth year. I think this is officially the part in the book. I mentioned it with Jen about the roller coaster type nature of how these books go mm-hmm. and how we are about to go downhill. <laughs> at a very rapid rate. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is the the no turning back point of this book because right. things just get crazy after this point. Well, yeah, every decision made from here on out has very deep consequences for him and those around him. Yeah, he's he's going to have to start thinking very quickly about who he can trust, who he can go to. Mm-hmm. McGonagall's gone, not mm-hmm. available. Dumbledore, unavailable. Hagrid, unavailable. Yeah, just Snape. He does have other options, and he tries. He tries to get into the flu powder network, but we're going to save that conversation yeah, for, for a later. Chapter. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, his options are limited. You know what this would be a good time for? What? His mirror that is sitting in his trunk that he has forgotten about. It would be a wonderful time <laughs> to use the mirror. Oh. <sighs> Still drives me nuts. Harry still does not think of that. No. I'm, okay, I'm going to try to give Harry a benefit of the doubt on this because I've drilled him about this previously in, in some previous episodes. But I will give him this. Mm-hmm. When you immediately dismiss something, like when you are faced with something and you immediately dismiss it right then and there, mm-hmm. you're not going to think of it months later. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's an option because you already wrote it off in your head. And in his mind, what he just saw is his godfather being tortured and close to death. That's hard to, I mean, even if it is the mirrors associated with his godfather, he's not thinking about the gift. He's thinking of, I have to save him and protect him because no one else knows this is happening. I do like that he is at least willing to listen to Hermione with the whole aspect of check first. Let's not just... And the logic of like, well, it's the middle of the day. The Ministry of Magic workers are all there. How could the most wanted man in the world, who we're pretending like it isn't a thing at the moment, wander into the Ministry of Magic and have nobody see? Like, the logic is, is just not sound. And then to have, like, Sirius with him, too, the other most wanted man in the world. And part of it is the build. Part of it is that build that Voldemort has where it's slow. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And then while that's playing out over a long period of time, you have people reinforcing, like, Oh, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. A, this is serious and it needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And B, you have Snape who's really playing Voldemort's hand, even though he doesn't even realize he's playing Voldemort's hand with like, how did you see that place? Mm-hmm. Why do you see that place? Mm-hmm. Like that, you shouldn't be seeing that place, which makes that place real. 
Well, even more real since he's been there, at least in the hallway, like, leading up to the Department of Mysteries. And, yeah, knowing that this is a legitimate area that you could go to right now if you wanted. So, everybody pointing to the fact that this is verifiable. Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's real. Yeah. It's just making his job so much easier in luring Harry there. Mm-hmm. It, it's really a, like we talk about Albus and his ability to play a chess game and move the pieces so well. Mm-hmm. Voldy is quite skilled at it himself. Which again is like why he's one of the probably better villains in pop culture, at least like during our time, that he's able to learn from his mistakes and more carefully plot out his his plans in order to undermine the weaknesses of his heroic foe indeed but mm-hmm. do you have anything else for the spoilers not really i don't have anything either <laughs> so we'll wrap it up here uh for chapter 31 again um thank you all for listening thank you all for commenting on spotify and participating in our twitter and instagram and whether it's comment whether it's a poll whether it's sharing this podcast with other people. We really appreciate all that you guys do for us to help us grow. Uh, please uh, think about leaving a voice message uh, wherever you can find this podcast. There's a link. Also, there's a link for donations uh, because this is a lot of work. If you <laughs> so, haven't rated on Spotify, I would like to give us a review. Give a rating or a review. Yeah, please, please do. We like reading those too. Yep. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back next week with Chapter 32. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.